This is episode 124 of AA Beyond Belief. In this episode, Angela and I will discuss step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Uh-oh. Okay, Angela, we're here to do step three. So we're, I guess we have to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and pray together. <laughs> in, a, in a coffee shop on our knees. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine doing that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, you know, uh, I did do that. Wow. <laughs> and um, what's really funny, though, is, um, you know, it seems like this is the step that people have the hardest time. I mean, and I would say non-believers or secular mm-hmm. people have the hardest time figuring out because the emphasis is always on God, right? right. Obviously, because they're turning their willing life over to the care of God. Yeah. Um, but even when I was going to my traditional meetings, they even put the emphasis on making a decision. Right. And that's how I actually see the step. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of seen it that way. Even mm-hmm. in the de- the old days when I was doing my religious kind of thing, I always kind of saw it as just a decision. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of self-talk going on when I was in um, going to meetings for all that time. I uh, on, the, on the outside, I would be talking God, but on the inside, I'd be translating it in some way that really made sense to me. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we have to. But yeah, it's interesting that, that there was a definite disconnect. You know, were you aware of the disconnect at the time, or or is it no. you know something later that you're like, oh yeah, I realized I, I was wow, <laughs> and I'm becoming troubled by my by my past. <laughs> it's like what was going on with me yeah. for all that time. Yeah. But you know, I can't. I don't want to overanalyze it because you right. know, when, I, when I look back, it's like okay, life was good. My life is good. You know, things are going good. It wasn't like any harm was done. But but and and you know, it's like outside the meeting, I had all these great friends. You know, and it was just that I had. To, I had to learn how to do the AA talk during the meeting. Right. And I guess I got so good at it, I didn't even realize, you know, what right. I was doing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that experience too. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. I was going to bring it up, but um, but it was something like an AA saying, you know, AA speak on of some sort. <laughs> and then I, I stopped myself. I'm like, why am I saying that? That makes absolutely <laughs> no sense at all. <laughs> you know, so I think it, I yeah. think it was the, uh, the, the, no, somebody else said it, that everything happens for a reason thing. And so I went down a, a long thing of that because, you know, that's not what I, I think anymore um, and yeah. haven't for a long time. Um, but uh, but it's something that's said quite often in, in meetings. And so anyway, yeah, when I'm looking at the, the step, I think here um, it is a lot about God. There are some meetings where where, you know, they they go into the decision and they do that that analogy about the frog sitting on a log. Do you oh, guys know that one? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I, I thought that was unique to Kansas City. No, no. So they, yeah. Do you want to share what it is? Do you? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. It's like you got three frogs sitting on a log and one frog decides to jump. How many frogs are on the log? Three. Because, because you, one only decided to jump, right? Right. <laughs> so anyway. That stumped me every time I would hear it. Damn, I can never figure that out. I know, I know. So so yeah, so we have we have that. Um and so that'll be brought up every every once in a while, you know. But um but for me, I, I recall and and I've seen over the years that it seems like three within the rooms is um is where, you know, there's an expectation of it that, you know, you're gonna get serious about it, particularly if you're secular or atheist or agnostic, that okay, three is when, you know, you, you gotta you gotta get your shit together and, and figure out, you know, something. And so yeah, for me I, I remember um looking at it and and one, the hymn was a big deal to me. So so you know I yeah, I don't think that that everybody looks at it. I think a lot of secular people, you know, see the God, but then I think a, a lot of, of us course, went, I went to, well, a lot of us women are like him. Group, yeah, so like, <laughs> we're like God we were, and we were fine with it. yeah, God and him. Oh, nice, you know. So I can, you know, it was like, oh wow, how are we going to get through this one, you know? Because with with one, pretty pretty, you know, straightforward. Yeah, I, I have an issue with uh, with alcohol, and and then two, okay, power greater than me, I can go, you know, a lot of different directions with that. Uh, but then they, yeah, this one is really, you know, both the God and the him is like wow. Um, and so you know, I think it's so 
a very difficult one for for secular people. Um, but but yeah, I um, I tried a lot of different things. Um, I really wanted to have you know some sort of a, a higher power that you know outdid all of the other ones, you know. And so I, I think about <laughs> it. I'm like, well, does Buddha outdo Jesus? And should I look at this Muhammad thing? I mean, what's the hierarchy? And um, and I um, I really liked in college, you know, studied um, some religious uh, history and and different religions, and I really liked. Liked uh, Kali Ma, uh, the Hindu goddess of uh, destruction. You know, she's she's pictured with um, where she's standing on, I think, Vishnu's neck, and she's wearing a necklace of severed men's heads. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, if I could believe in a deity, that definitely would be the one for me. You know, it, it just seems seems perfect. But um, but you know, going through it, the truth was is that I just didn't believe in like some sort of omnipotent, you know, being that, that, you know, makes choices and grants parking spaces and, you know, does all of that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and one of the things I heard a lot in the rooms was that, you know, that when it comes between you and the drink, you better have, you know, a, a higher power type thing. And I'm like, well, you know, if I don't believe in this, then that's not going to be very helpful to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, that that's when I finally realized I needed to get out because um, there was a meeting where, where it was like someday, the time will come where no human power can keep you from drinking right. and you will have to and, and I said no that's not yep. true and and oh boy yep yep well. nope, I've, I've heard heard that quite a bit as well and and oftentimes it's when somebody's talking about you know they're you know coming to terms with this and trying to figure things out and that right now you know the group or their sponsor or something like that they're using as a higher power and so then you know some some you know deacon from the back will say you know well the will come a time when it's and it, it like invokes you know that the images of you know satan hiding behind a bush you know gonna jump out and get you and i i really uh don't find that helpful in my recovery <laughs> so to think of things in that way um but most of the time when people you know are talking in meetings about god and and this step you know i just imagine santa claus and that you know it just seems so so odd to me so yeah so that 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 didn't work out that wasn't my path for understanding the third step. Um, I was chatting with my my sponsor the other night um, about you know my work and thinking about this step and how to talk about it. And uh, she reminded me there was a, a circuit speaker um, that used to go around Patty O from California, and she came to Boise a couple of times doing uh, one of those uh, the steps come alive is what they call it, where it's like an all day conference where one person usually a circuit speaker will will talk about the steps, break them down, kind of like we're doing for the podcast, but they do it in like an all day thing. And that um, and she was definitely a God person. I mean, um, her, her son, who is my my age, uh, was the the featured speaker at Wacky Paw last January. And, and he was godding all over the place. And, um, <laughs> and so godding, yeah, everything was God this God that, you know. And, um, and so I call it godding all over the place. Um, and and, uh, and so she definitely was a God person. But when she came to this step in the workshop, she talked about that um, that God wasn't her higher power for the, the oh. steps and particularly this step, because if she thought about God as being her higher power for step three, you know, and that, you know, if she sat around on the couch asking God to strike her sober, you know, she'd still be sitting on a couch with a glass of wine. And so yeah. for her, she said that for step three, that AA is what she turned her will in her life over. So to to the program, to working the steps, to doing service, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And and that's that's what I, you know, think about it most of the time. I mean, if somebody asks me, that's what from within AA, that's what I say. You know, now it's it's a little bit different on on what I think think it is to me. But um, but mainly you know, that's the gist of it. And so uh, that was kind of cool for me to to talk to her and remember that, yeah, that is, you know, kind of what she said. And and that, you know, a God person, as, um, as I think of her, would have the same tool or would think of step three in yeah. the same way. And so, so yeah, so I, I think it's, it's interesting that that can happen within the, the AA culture. And, and it is, you know, what works for me. So yeah, um, another thing that I was looking at, 
from the secular guide, the alternative 12 steps, a secular guide. One of the things they wrote was that um, in order to physically let go, we have to consciously relax our muscles and allow the chattering in our minds to stop. And, um, and, the, and that psychologically, we deliberately relax our mental grip on belief or on whatever the belief is that we're troubled with. And I thought about that. And that that helped me too. Um, I'm like, yeah, I can really visualize myself letting go of the mental grip of whatever is spinning in my head or, or, you know, the the will as a negative, you know, I, I really don't think that, um, that will is a bad thing. You know, I don't think most of the stuff that sometimes gets, you know, described as negative in our program are, are bads. I think, I think they're just, you know, different tools that I'm using using in the wrong way. But yeah, I really liked the the analogy there or you know, the comparison I guess that physically we have to relax our muscles to let go and and my brain's a pretty powerful muscle and so, you know, if I think about it as a way that I okay, I need to relax the grip I have on whatever it is, um then that's helpful to me. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, you know, I, I've I've read that book. I've, we've talked about it last few times, but I've been reading a lot, a lot on staying sober without God. Yeah. And so he looks at this as just making a commitment to adopt a, a healthy lifestyle, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is what he sees recovery is just adopting a healthy lifestyle right. for you know the rest of your life. You know. Mm-hmm. And which makes sense to me. It's, it's a very positive thing. And that's basically what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I need to change. I need to change something. And it's not just my drinking that needs to change. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to change and, and grow as a person, I guess. So I made a decision to do that. But <clears throat> what I was thinking about is when I was in um, traditional AA, and I'm not gonna say this is right or wrong, mm-hmm. but there was a huge focus on self-centeredness. Mm with a step mm-hmm. and it, it was beat into me to such a degree Angela mm-hmm. you would not believe it I mean I still have passages in the big book memorized in my brain mm-hmm. the selfishness self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles yeah yeah it was beat it was like you know and I'm looking back on that and I guess okay I don't I don't buy that now mm-hmm. um but I guess at the time it wasn't I mean it forced me to look within myself I guess so mm-hmm. it was positive in that in that respect but that was the first time that I ever thought of myself as being self-centered. And mm-hmm. it just gave me one more damn thing to not like about myself. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So I don't know but if I see value in that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's really necessary mm-hmm. to see one, see oneself as self-centered mm-hmm. and running the show and everything. Because that, that honestly wasn't what I was doing. I, the show was running me. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the way I, 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 I did it back then. We were, we were really focusing on the self-centeredness. And so basically I, what I was doing at that time was like, okay, I'm self-centered. Dumb. I need to... I need to um, be not self-centered. <laughs> I need to. I need to change. You know. So that was basically it. And that's what I needed to change about myself. But if I look about it at it now, to me, the step is just essentially that moment when I do make a commitment to change. But it's not necessarily that I'm going to change any one particular thing. It's about myself. It's just that I'm going to adopt a lifestyle of of, of change where I'll hopefully I'll evolve and grow as a person. You know. Right. That's how I see it. I'll work. I'll work the steps if I want to do that. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. No. I I got a lot of uh, of that too, or that feeling, and and I agree. I I think it's you know more of a uh, active commitment or willingness to to like do the hard things and look at the hard feelings and and go through that. You know, there's a lot of emphasis it seems like on step three in order to go into step four. At least in our area, it's like you know you need to have a good step three because. Around here, a lot of sponsors have people write the third step prayer at the top of their inventory on oh, really? each page. Wow. Yeah. So that, you know, that third step prayer has grown in popularity over the years. Oh, uh, it is super popular here. So for a while, even meetings were ending with that. Um, some of them. Yeah, they're starting to do that. Yeah. Here too. At our at our area assembly, they think that they they think it's great because it's AA approved. Right. But you know what? Isn't it, isn't it weird to have an AA approved prayer? Right. I think that's odd. Right. <laughs> it is really odd. Well, and, you know, and I, I, I wrote it down, you know, it's uh, for those those who, who, you know, aren't aware of it. Um, but it's, uh, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. <laughs> may I do thy will always. Yeah, it's just like, wow. When you talk to God, you always have to say thy. Thy and thou, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and then this is where 
where the the highlight on the uh, the negativity of self is. You know, relieve me of the bondage of self. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm like wow. So you know, I get um, the ego deflation part of it. You know, and and I think in some ways, um, you know, it is important to take a take a look at that because oftentimes when we get here, we're we're so caught up in our own misery that it it's hard for us to see the ways in which you know. I mean, we can la- name the ways that we hurt other people um, because we're depressed about it. Usually, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, I hurt that person, blah blah blah. Um, but it, but we're we ha- still have a hard time of of seeing outside ourselves or different perspectives. And so I, I think of you know of this step a little bit as a, a reminder to me of that there are other perspectives out there. And um, and so one of the things that my sponsor did with me, and I usually have people do. Um, is to rewrite this in an affirmation, you know, so, and so mine, the one that I've used the longest or most often is, uh, since I'm not the center of the universe, perhaps I can look for a way to be of service or simply show kindness to others or contribute in a positive way to the betterment of society. And, um, and so I have to have the perhaps in there because I, I get very oppositional. And so I, I need to have the option of, you know, that, okay, if I want to, <laughs> you know, right, you know right. that the thou will, and the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. No, that doesn't work for me. So having the option there. So I have perhaps in there. Um, and it's, it's, it's a way for me to, you know, reframe my intention for the day. If I wake up stuck in like a circle of resentment or something like that, I, I use that as, as a way to, okay, you know, what, what would I like today to be like? You know, what would I like my, my general outlook and mindset to be like? And that's usually what I, I want it to be is, is something along the lines of, of not circling on myself and my problems and whatever it is. So enlarging the picture of what's happening, you know, in the the greater world, because most of the time, it my problem is, you know, my thinking about myself, but it's in a negative way. So, so yeah, so I've, I've, you know, done a lot on, um, on considering the self and, uh, you know, and I really don't like, um, within the rooms when, when people are like, you need to get out of self. And because I've, I've found, you know, through my recovery and, uh, therapy that, that I actually needed to get in myself, <laughs> you know, that I needed to develop a healthy sense of self and what that means for me. And, um, in both, you know, within like just my physical body, because, you know, the, a lot of my my trauma growing up had uh, taken me to where you know sometimes I I wouldn't notice you know my legs or different parts of my body they just you know I didn't think about them and then I go to yoga or to a, you know a meditation or something like that and or listen to one and they'd say okay you know um, now relax your toes and I wouldn't know that my toes are all crunched up and and stuff like that and it's because of you know I'm so in my my brain so much that sometimes I forget that, you know, that I'm, I'm more than just my brain. And so, so for me learning about, you know, myself and my body and how that works has, has been very helpful to me. And so, um, so I, I work a lot on that. Um, you know, another way it, step three is talked about in the rooms is when somebody's having a problem. So I've mentioned circling a couple of times, but often I hear somebody saying, you know, that they're going through some sort of difficulty and somebody will say, well, have you done the third step on it? Or have you have you said the third step prayer? Or you know what helps for me is you know because this is a letting it go you know uh, letting it go to God thing. And so um, how I use this or how I respond when I'm in you know traditional meetings or have somebody that's that works a traditional program that asks me about it is is that I tend to turn whatever the problem is over to a different, you know, a different part of me, you know, so either a different part of my brain, or, you know, I, I think of, you know, the way I think of things is different parts. And so, um, and so, or like the committee, you know, that, that gets talked about a lot in, in the rooms as we all have these committees, you know, and, and uh, for years, I've, I've thought about mine as more of a 
bureaucracy, um, you know, because I have committees and then I have subcommittees and then I have task force and, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of stuff going on in there. And, you know, to get me to change an idea takes a lot of paperwork, you know? So, um, yeah. Um, so I think of it that way and, and I'll, I'll, you know, kind of, uh, imagine that, uh, it's being tasked to an intern on a subcommittee or something and they're, they, they have to go and do the research within, you know, the back of my brains for anything that, would be helpful for helping me understand whatever this problem is or, um, you know, come to terms with something because sometimes it, there's nothing I can do about it. But that's that's what this little mental intern is is off doing. And and that's my way of letting it go is that, you know, I, I n- I'm not ignoring it because I, I see right. that a lot when people are like, well, I just let it go. It's like, really? Wow. You know, and usually it's that they just stop thinking about it or ignoring it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. I feel like I'm being active in the, you know, that I'm letting it uh, be take being taken care of from a different part of my brain. Um, and then, uh, you know, the subconscious, I really feel listens to all the stuff in meetings, you know, even when I'm not necessarily paying attention or think something doesn't apply to me, you know, my I've heard everything that's been said in meetings. And so sometimes it'll come back to me if I, I give it a little bit of time. And uh, something somebody said from a meeting seven years ago, I'll be like, Oh, yeah, that person dealt with this problem, you know, and, and what was it that they did? Um, and I can use that or if I, you know, I'm still in contact with the person, I can call them and get their perspective on, you know, how they went through whatever the experience was that that they went through, you know, like health problems with my mom and, and, uh, you know, how, how do other people in AA handle that, you know, in a productive way that, that, you know, is healthy and, um, and helpful to both, you know, the parent and, uh, and my own, you know, mental health and sobriety. So, so that, that's one way that, uh, that I think of it, or I phrase it that sometimes is, is helpful for other people is, is that, you know, I, I don't ignore it. Um, but I do let a different part of my brain work on it for a while. And then I can go about my day and, and do different stuff instead of obsessing and circling. Yeah, that, you know, that is true that I forgot, but you're right. A lot of people think about step three as the letting go. I guess it's letting go, letting God. So that if you ever have a problem in your life, they do that. They say, well, step three is the answer. You have to let go and let God turn it over to God, whatever. That is kind of interesting. I mean, I, 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 I guess like I, um, like you, I, I, I can, I can let go of something maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's, I don't know if I really do let go. I guess what I do, Angela's like what you I guess like like what you were saying is I just I just kind of I just deal with whatever it is I, th- I think back to like the most recent serious problem that I had this a couple of years ago I had a really bad time at work and you know I could have lost my job performance wise it was just not not going well so I had to I kind of did this the process of the steps with this situation so I looked at I didn't just let go of the problem I just didn't let go of it you know I kept it in my mind but I I looked at it and I I acknowledged I had a problem you know I wrote about it and I thought um, I thought okay I can get myself out of this I just need I just need to figure out what's going on and so I really tried to be honest about what was going on with me and what I could change and I of course I had there were things that were going on that were out of my control that I thought maybe my employer didn't assess me correctly here and there but I just kind of pushed that stuff out of my mind and I just focused on all the things that I could change <clears throat> so when it really boils down to it to it this isn't really for me about letting go but it's really about making a decision to actually make some changes. So I need to know I need to know what I need to change. <clears throat> That's what I did here and I so I wrote down all the all the things that I needed to do for my job. Uh, which was easy because they forced me to do that. I had to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I did that and I made a t- decision. Okay, I'm going to do this. These are the things I'm going to do and I did it. So, that's, you know, if I would have just let go I don't know. I don't know yeah. if you can really do that. Yeah. Well, no, I think some people can, um, or at least they, they yeah. tell themselves uh, that, that they are. But I guess you don't want to torture yourself and worry about things needlessly. But you see, if I'm doing something about it, I'm not worrying about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it, it's, you know, it's where you're at in it. 
Um, so, so what tends to happen to me is, you know, something will happen and then I will obsess about it and I'll think of, you know, what I'm going to say and what the other person would say, because it's usually involving another person, uh, <laughs> you know, and then I would say this and then they would say that. And then I'd have, you know, about three or four scenarios of how, how that conversation would go and ha- and what the outcomes would be. And then I just, you know, go over those over and over and over and over. And, um, and so, yeah, for me to, to learn, um, when I was doing that, um, I would, I would call my sponsor and say, Hey, this is happening. And she would, you know, talk me through, you know, what my scenarios were so that I'd get them out of, out, you know, into somebody else's ears. And then she'd say, okay, well, you know, you already know what you think the answer is, you know, you've played out all these scenarios. And so, you know, why don't you go and do something else for a while and, and, you know, come back to it after you've done some other productive things. And so I, that's, that's how I would do it for a while is, is, you know, okay, I'm giving it over to that different part of the brain to work on while I, I get some other things done. And then I come back to it. um, And oftentimes time just letting it sit for a little while would give perspective, Um, something else would change, the other person would bring in some different information, that kind of thing. And so it it would all change. Um, But what I used to do before I got sober was that's all I would do is sit and, and, you know, ruminate on it and just drive myself crazy. And then, you know, go have a drink because that would, that would calm that down. And then I was brilliant for about 10 minutes. And, you know, when you get just that right place with drinking and all problems would be solved. And then, you know, of course the next morning, um, there's many more problems to work on, you know? So, so yeah, um, that, that's usually been, been my process. Um, when you th- when you think about it, the drinking was kind of a way of letting go, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know. Yeah, definitely. It, it, well, I, and I think a lot of us, it's it's part of you know the fuckets um, that. Oh, yeah. Well, fuck it. You know, I'm going to go have a drink or fuck it. This person is is just a pain in the ass, and and those haven't been you know helpful to me. Um, it's how I felt um, both before and in early sobriety about a lot of things um, that you know I'm just going to when I was learning to, to make boundaries and stuff, it was like, you know, either you were in or out, you know, um, either you were part of my life or I cut you off and, um, you were either helpful or completely not. And, um, and I think that, yeah, as time has gone on, I can see how different people are at different places in their life, you know, both with sobriety, mental health, uh, you know, age, whatever. And that, uh, yeah, that, you know, not, not every, I don't throw people away anymore. You know, there are some people that I have to create, you know, boundaries with and, um, and that, you know, maybe have, uh, you know, just a few things in common with. Um, but um, I don't think that, yeah, I don't have that, that black and white thinking anymore. So, you know, part of, part of, I guess, step three is opening up to, to just the different perspectives that to remind myself that, that there are multiple responses perspectives on situations and that, you know, if I'm getting obsessive uh, about something, then, you know, I probably need to look for where perspectives are. And um, usually when I'm sponsoring somebody and they're going through something like this, um, my my general suggestion is is to go to a meeting first. Um, and so, you know, even if it's a, a meeting that, that they don't like, generally it gets them thinking about what they don't like about the meeting. So that gives them some space to <laughs> you know, to, to be away from whatever their problem is. It's like, oh, this meeting's awful. You know, I, I don't like this meeting. And so, you know, it, it takes them away a little bit from that obsession. Um, but generally, you know, if they go to a meeting, then it gives them perspective. Um, sometimes it's that whatever it is that they're obsessing on probably isn't as big of a deal as they feel like it is at the moment. Or, you know, it gives them, you know, perspective on other people talking about what their struggles are and either how they're similar or how they're different. Or sometimes, it, you know, shows them that there's somebody else that they they can help. um, And sometimes helping uh, someone else will, you know, have an effect on whatever it is that they're, they're circling or or struggling with. So, um, so that one can kind of be tough, because, you know, I do think there are some people that are like, you know, I'm having a problem, get into service, and, uh, and then they don't deal with their problem. Um, So, so yeah, so there's a fine line there. But I I think for the most part, particularly early on that it that it is more helpful to at least for people within the secular community to be able to, you know, shift from 
being uh, obsessing about something to being of service. And then it, it often will, you know, also give them some, some self-esteem to realize that whatever the, the hopeless problem is that they're stuck on, you know, that, Hey, they were able to help this other person in this way. So, it, you know, there's a possibility that they can actually work through whatever this dire situation is because it's always dire in our minds. Right. <laughs> so, and that actually is kind of um, useful, especially in the beginning stages when you still have all these problems that are playing out from your drinking that you have to deal with while you're trying to get sober. That was the most challenging part for me was stopping drinking is that I had a messed up life and it and it was still going on. My messed up life was still playing yeah. out while I was trying not to drink. So I did I did go to a lot of meetings during that time because that was the only place where I felt like I would not drink basically. Right. Um, right. Yeah, it was at a meeting that I don't you know, go to anymore, um, or I haven't been to for for quite a quite a while. But um, when I got sober, it was near um, where I was working, and so I, I used to go to it almost almost daily. And um, one of the the old timers there came up to me uh, after the meeting uh, recently and and said, "Hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. You used to come to this meeting a lot, and actually, I saw you all over the place." And and he's like, "You were really serious about your sobriety," and I'm like, well, you know, yes, but um, also I was probably just trying to get out of my brain <laughs> because, yeah, because you know, right. it, that it was like one hour that, you know, my mind wasn't uh, racing. That's true. And, uh, and I, re- I'm the type of person that really needed that, you know? And so, so yeah, so the, the uh, suggestion of looking for the similarities um, was really helpful to me too, because it also, you know, kept me in the meeting and kept me listening to what people said instead of of just, you know, thinking about what I would say about, you know, whatever the topic is. But yeah, I, you know, I went to, 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 you know, sometimes three meetings a day because, yeah, you know, I, 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 I didn't have much of a life is how I thought of it, you know? And so, yeah, so I'm like, well, I might as well be at a meeting because, you know, I, my friends don't talk to me anymore and, you know, that kind of thing. And I, it was helpful to me, you know, and I know that, I know that for a lot of people that that's not a possibility. And I've talked to people who said that, that was more difficult for them, that they develop more resentments, you know, going to meetings, you know, particularly secularly minded people, um, which is why I, I try to to work hard to create a common language that can be used in meetings so that they can feel more of a part of and so that people in the meetings can start picking up on secular language to use um, you know, because a lot of people say, hey, I, I just use the word God because it's easier. And I say, well, you know, easier <laughs> for who? <laughs> you know, So, yeah, if you're if you're working the 12 step, then you you might be thinking about trying to use language that's easier for the newcomer. And and oftentimes um, secular language really is a lot easier for most people. But, yeah, um, I forgot where I was going with that. With that. Let's see. Secular minded well, you know, people. I, I had a memory. Um, I was writing something and I had a memory of my like something that happened to me during my first month of sobriety and during my first month of sobriety it was a very difficult time okay because I had gotten arrested for DUI my third time I lost my job I had no money I still had my apartment they they hadn't thrown me out yet or I didn't have to leave yet but I was worried about losing that. So I had all I had all these very serious problems, and I would um, I went to like four or five meetings a day because I didn't have I, that's all I could do. But I had this I had this memory. I was writing a, a book review actually, and this is how it, it came to my mind. But I was at this meeting, and it was a, a midnight meeting, I think, and I was really frustrated because I had all these freaking problems, and every single meeting I went to was talking about spiritual stuff and it just seemed so nebulous and and not not really dealing with my real problems and i remember being frustrated <clears throat> at this meeting and i said something to the effect that I have real problems and I wish that we could talk about real something real, you know, (laughs) and, and this guy, this guy got really mad and he threw the 12 and 12 at me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It went sliding across the table. He says, this is your solution. (laughs) Wow. But the memory came back to me because it was like how easily I dismissed that. But that was the real me Mm -hmm. too. The real, the real me didn't want a spiritual solution. (laughs) The real me wanted just to talk to someone normal and just have, you know, can you talk to me about my real problems and tell me how you got out Mm -hmm. of them? You know, I didn't want to have to sit there and talk about all this God stuff. But he threw the book at me. He told me that was the solution. And 
ultimately I kind of fell in line, I guess. But I'm having these little memories come right. back. Maybe I'm going through some PTSD or something. Could I don't know. Be. But um, yeah, that 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 came to my mind, and I don't know if you know. I'm sure that there are people that were that i mean i i didn't know what i was i didn't think i was an atheist or anything but if i if i was if i was doing that now boy i would have a really hard time in aa i couldn't take that i if someone did that to me i probably wouldn't come back yeah to the meeting yeah no i i i agree i think in most of our meetings at least around here that uh seriousness of a, a thing doesn't happen i know there are some meetings where where that i could see that possibly happening but they're more of like the back to basic type of things but in general i at least here i feel like uh yeah that that wouldn't be wouldn't be okay and and that i think uh you know, more people are going more towards the, you know, reality part of it. Um, you know, that, that, well, and I think part of the step talks, at least to me about, you know, accepting reality as well. Let's see, where is it? I think, um, I think Joe has it in, in the, um, Beyond Belief Musings book. Um, let's see, where is it? Oh yeah, um, he. It's uh, for January twenty fifth. Um, his, his quote is from a new guide to rational living um, by Albert Ellis and Robert Harper, and it says, "Like it or not, you better accept reality the way it occurs, as highly imperfect and filled with most fallible human beings. Your alternative: continual anxiety and desperate disappointment." You know, and so yeah, and so I I think that's that's much more in line of what we're trying to do and and get at. It at least in in AA these days is you know working with with reality and um in our my home group is particularly I feel like good at that we we tend to really do practical things to uh, to help people in recovery and and people get get sober and and we talk about real things like you know the the sugar when you're detoxing and uh, and how you know because people come in and you know this is happening and this is happening and I you know I I'm craving sugar all the time and I didn't know when when I quit drinking how much sugar alcohol had in it, particularly because I, I drank hard, hard liquor. Yeah, I had no idea. And so yeah, I was having withdrawals from sugar, you know, <laughs> as well. And so, you know, um, the uh, Living Sober book, you know, suggesting hard candies and things like that, you know, we, we do all of that stuff. But, you know, I, I had the same experience you did of going to a meeting. And I think I shared it on one of these podcasts. And um, a guy was sharing about how his, his he was resentful because his personal airplane wasn't working. And that, you know, I was sitting there going, I'm dying here. And you're upset that your personal <laughs> airplane isn't working, right. you know. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, and over the years now, I, you know, I know that uh, what that is and, and can translate, I, I'd share that with my sweetie and and uh you know we consider it the luxury problem type thing and right. uh, and so when i'm whining about something that really isn't a big deal he'll he'll ask me how my personal airplane is running and every once in a while it does not go down well but most of the time i have a sense of humor about it <laughs> he's learned to tread lightly on that um so another thing i wanted to to talk about with step three um and i think we've had some feedback about this um is uh, the language change because uh, some people in AA uh, don't like it, you know, when we change the step in the language, and and particularly this one, there there's no way, you know, you can't if you're secular um, change the language, you know, it, it has to be changed, and and so I did want to to give the resource for uh, you know people out there that are still you know working within traditional AA but struggling with it, um, you know if they're confronted with it, and I think I got this from from Joe too was uh, that uh, from Alcoholics Anonymous comes of age I think is page eighty one um, where Bill is writing that. Um, to some of us, the idea of substituting good for God in the 12 steps will seem like watering down of AA's message. But here we must remember that AA's steps are suggestions only. A belief in them as they stand is not at all requirement for membership among us. The liberty has made, or this liberty has made AA available to thousands who would have, who, who would never have tried it at all. 
had we insisted the 12 steps just as written. And, you know, and in that, I believe he was talking about when the Buddhists, uh, you know, announced that they uh, wanted to be a part of AA, but they would be replacing the word God with good. And, you know, and so that was the response to it. And, uh, and we seem to have gotten away from from that idea um, that, that, you know, we can change the wording, um, you know, for them to work them and that you really don't have to work them at all. They are suggestions. Um, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to put that out there because I, I do have people that have, you know, contacted me that get feedback um, from people in the traditional groups on, you know, that you have to do them as written, you know, um, and have, you know, like you were showing the book thrown at you of, of, you know, this is, you have to do them as written from the book and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, you know, one of the founders, here's a quote, he, he said that you do not have to. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a resource for people who are looking at it. And, and I'm not sure where, you know, all of this insistence on, on, you know, on doing it as written from the book that came along, you know, I know that the back to basics, but I got a document a little while ago. And, and I don't know if I passed it on to you, or if you've already read it, the one that the minority report um, to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, general services, the Great Britain, one on the Sinan cult influence to Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I think that's where it came from, you know, and I try to share this a little bit within the rooms, but, um, but I find most people really don't know much about AA history. I, I didn't really learn, you know, much. I'm still learning as I go along and really didn't care at first, um, you know, how it, how it applied, except now that I'm like, wait, you know, there's, there's more secular stuff in here and more, you know, atheist um, history to AA than I knew about. And so now I'm much more interested in it so that um, I can share it with other people and help them to, to move along, you know, move this, uh, this banner uh, to more secular AA um, than it has been. And, and I, I do think that's working. I, I talked to several people this last week that, um, that are starting to, you know, look at the way that they do a program and the way they talk about program in AA. And they, they are people who are, um, I don't know if I'd say God people, but they do have a higher power that's much more similar to what is uh, considered uh, normal within the rooms. And, um, and they're, you know, really thinking about, you know, wait, why are we, you know, ending things with the Lord's Prayer? That, that doesn't seem helpful. We say that we're not a religion or we're not associated with any religion. And then we end with the Lord's Prayer. What's that about? You know, and, and to those of us who are secular, we're like, yeah, duh, we've been trying to <laughs> point that out. But I think, um, I think that, uh, yeah, talking about it, uh, <laughs> it's making me think of like a, the, an after school special that, you know, to all the secular people, this is how you should talk to your AA friends about, right. you know, yeah, <laughs> like, a, you know, a public service announcement. But it really does seem to be happening, um, at least at least around here that that people are like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I believe in God and, and may even be Christian. But, you know, this is what what AA is supposed to do. That's supposed to not be a religion. Things so, yeah, so I do see that. I do see seeing things changing. Um, I think some of that rigidity kind of probably happened in the late 80s and the 1990s. Right. I'm learning now from what I'm reading online that there's a lot of people to this day who worship the Joe and Charlie tapes. Um. Yeah, and I remember those guys when they were alive, and and I went to one, I listened to them talk, and you know, I, I, I who knew that they were going to become this this um, phenomenal cult following or whatever, but pe- but people really are listening to them like, oh, these guys make sense, and you do this this way, blah 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 blah, and I think that that was part of it, and some of that still exists, but you're right, things are changing, um, you know. Recently, I was contacted by somebody in Wichita, and this really kind of blew me away. His district's access, his district accessibility committee is interested in starting a secularly formatted AA meeting because they see um, the religious or part nature of AA as an obstacle uh, keeping people right. out. So it's, it's an accessibility. It's an accessibility right. issue. I found that so interesting that a district is wanting to have a secular meeting because they they want to reach out to people for whom AA isn't accessible because of the Lord's right. I, I think that's great. That yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah, I, and that's happening in Wichita, Kansas, <laughs> of all the places. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
So anyway, that guy's going to come up to our party uh, next nice. week. Nice. So that'll be interesting to see what's going no, on. No, I, I think that's great. Yeah. And, you know, and I hope you guys ask him a lot about that um, because that's something that hopefully we can pass on to to other people and in other places. And because that might be the, the route that's best for them. I know that in, in uh, Connecticut that there's um, some people that are working with their district to um, right now they have an ad hoc committee um, that they're, um, DCM uh, put into place for a secular committee and um, and that they're trying to make it their own committee, kind of like H&I and, and things like that. And, and when they do have it as a committee, then they have representation, they have a, a voice as a secular, you know, um, committee. And then they also have a budget, <laughs> you know, which is a kind of a big deal, you know, so that they can print material and take, you know, things to meetings and, and drop them off and um, circulate, circulate the good news of secular AA. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's another direction. And uh, I think the more that people share what they're doing and what's working in their area, uh, the better, because, you know, maybe the subcommittee would be, you know, good in my area, um, or maybe, you know, doing it as a, as a, like what they're doing in Wichita with the accessibility that might work better in my area. But, you know, have knowing, you know, all the different ways that people are reaching out and making a difference is it's pretty helpful i think so it's gonna be interesting to see part of me is kind of worried about this hmm these regular aa people are going to start a secular aa meeting and it's like well, hmm, they're going to mess it up anyway. <laughs> they're not they're gonna be- <laughs> yeah well, well you know there's a lot of people that think that you and i are messing things up just by talking about right, right. That's so, true you know That's true yeah That's so it's uh, you know i i'm pretty sure that it'll be okay as my my service sponsor says you know i'm not going to be able to break aa it's it's highly unlikely no. you know so it's going to evolve no. in in different ways and right now i'm trying to help it evolve in a way that i think is most helpful for society but mm-hmm. you know who knows what direction it's going to go. So you're going to be going down to the um, conference. In yes, I'm so excited about that. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to go. But yeah, I already have the plane tickets. So um, so I, I'm excited about that. I haven't been able to go to a uh, one day conference in a while. And so yeah, so it's going to be cool. You'll like it. I, I, I went to that one in um, Hamilton and just had a really great time. And it's just, it's nice to have something that's in a smaller, more intimate right. venue and where you, you can really have more of an opportunity to talk to people and meet people. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a little bit different than the big, huge um, convention with hundreds right. of people in a hotel. Right. Yeah. So I think you'll yeah, like it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope they have some good recordings of it. I'm obsessed <laughs> about getting recordings of things. Yes. Well, I'll do my best. I, I know that, you know, yeah, if if there's podiums involved, you know, and people are okay with it, I'll, I'll put my phone there because my phone is, you know, what recorded my story from December. Yeah. And it was, you know, just a regular phone recordings, but, you know, it was sat by the podium. So I, I think we can do it. So we'll see. Absolutely. And John H. actually did the same thing. He recorded his talk in Olympia or wherever in Washington. I don't think it was Olympia that one was. It was in somewhere else over there. But anyway, he recorded it with just his iPhone. And man, the quality was excellent. Yeah. Well, there's a a thing that, you know, I... I posted, I think it's on the Secular AA website, that's kind of a what what program I use, what app I use on my phone, and then what settings I have it on to, to make it uh, have better quality. And, and it's, I, know, I was using the free one, so you don't have to pay for, for the app unless you want to upgrade it. You know so. what, I need to copy that. I need to copy that and make it an article on AAB. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, totally. Because I think that's a good that's good for people to know how to do. Is the I like having I think it's great having the recordings of, of these things. It's- yeah, and just to have the variety because somebody might not be able to relate to my story, but they're you know can relate to somebody else. And yeah, the more we have, I think the better. <laughs> but then again, I've always been more is better, which is why I'm in AA. <laughs> but no we've done a pretty good job of of uh getting stuff out there for people to find it's it's pretty interesting i was in i was in when i was in hamilton i got to meet some people who listen to the podcast i hear i hear from people it's just it's really amazing when you think about angela how how um how this podcast can reach people uh, just from all over the place but you wouldn't even right yeah um there was somebody in Scotland who listened to that podcast that you recorded about um, when you were speaking at that uh-huh. group somewhere. You were, we had we just put one of, and and he said that was like uh, was a huge it was a huge shift for him to finally hear somebody 
talk about the steps in a way that he can actually appreciate them and understand them. It made a huge difference yeah. for that guy. And so it was really important. It's just you never know. You never know what how who's going to pick up on something like this and what it's going to do yeah. for him. Yeah. So. Yep, that's why we're doing it. I would I would have loved to hear somebody with my story when I got in the rooms. Um, you know, the closest I could come was somebody who was Buddhist. It still wasn't my story, but at least we spoke the same language um, or a similar language. And uh, yeah, so so I'm I'm really happy to hear that it's it's making a difference for people and. And uh, yeah, and hopefully they'll, you know, get sober and, and be able to do the same. That's what it's all about, right? Yep. So do you think we did a pretty good job of covering um, I think so. Um, I can't think of anything else at the moment. Um, you know, of course, when we when, whenever we end the podcast, like an hour later, something will be come up in my head like, oh, you should have mentioned that. But but yeah, I think we kind of did. I think it's ultimately a decision. I think it's just a decision to start, you know, and, and actually it's a decision decision to get into reality because your decision is to move to the next step, step four. And that's where you're really looking at the truth. You know, you're really looking at objectively what's what what you're doing so it's not a step about you know it's not necessarily a mystical step where god takes everything it's a step where you you start doing things to learn about yourself uh, learning about what you might want to change and i wouldn't say that you have to tear yourself down to build yourself up i think that you're probably already torn down if you're finding yourself in an aa meeting for the right. first time in your life right <laughs> yeah and from yeah. there from the, from there it's all you know, it's, right it's, it's, well and again you know when the way that i think about it and and think about step you know four as as we'll talk about is is that none of the stuff that you know that um i thought as negative and stuff i i don't think of it that way i don't think of character defects i mean i can use the terminology because that's what people in the rooms do but you know i i i think of them all as tools and resources and that they're appropriate in certain situations you know still are and always have been so it's just learning you know what the situations are and and what might be better tools and stuff. And so, yeah, so I agree. I think step three is about the decision to, to go forward with that kind of like the, <laughs> the, uh, the figurative come to Jesus thing. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know? <laughs> um, so, right. so yeah. So for me, it, you know, I think that's the, uh, a healthier direction of looking at step three. But, you know, if you're working with a sponsor that is much more traditional, you know, hopefully our discussion has also given you some ideas and ways to think about it so that you can continue to, to work steps and, um, and feel like you're a part of, because I, I think that's a, a big part of early sobriety too, is, is, you know, starting to feel like you're a part of, of something, you know, having a community and, and for, you know, a lot of people that, you know, there isn't a secular community that they can go to. And so hopefully this gives those people some options as well. Well, it'll be interesting when we go through step four, because that's I think that that's a that was a helpful step for me. But I could also see how that you do need some precautions there, too. You know, you do have to there, there needs to be careful. Yes, about yes. Okay. That'll be interesting. To yep. Talk about. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. And that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you'd like to help out our site and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, go over to iTunes and leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief or through PayPal at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. And you can always visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.